20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows alongside Andrew Mertig, and we are back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Andrew, it is good to be back. We are in the middle of a great time of year, one of our favorite times of year. It's good, it's good to be here with you. It's good to be back. It's great to be back. <laughs> you might have said that. I don't know. I stopped listening. But <laughs> it's combine season. That's really exciting. Um, obviously, that kicked off this week. We got all the the measurements and on Thursday, we, we finally got to start seeing some 40s and some some drills from the receivers, and that has draft geeks going crazy. And honor the other draft nicks out there, we have something special planned for this week. Yeah, and we will be back next week with more of our thoughts on the scouting combine that's really just kind of getting underway, as Andrew said, as we really record this. So, uh, so far this week, we've heard from the prospects in interviews. We've heard those who've had formal and informal meetings with teams, and we've gotten all those fun measurements, as Andrew said, you know, the weights and uh, hand sizes and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, But tonight, as we speak, is when we're really getting into those drills and hearing the times that will really help, especially. Packers fans know how to categorize these players and which guys will meet Green Bay's athletic preferences. And so not to worry, Andrew and I will be back next week with all the draft content that you can handle. But today we are doing something a little different, something we're pretty excited about. Today we've invited some listeners to join us in our first ever listener mock draft. We assigned the 32 NFL teams to different listeners and you guys sent in your picks. And now today, Uh, We're going to go through those picks together one by one and see where it leads us as we get to the Packers selection at number 30 overall. But uh, let's let's get right to this, Andrew. Um, The 2020 NFL draft is now open. The Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. Yeah, thank you. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to milk this out. We might take all 12 minutes while we're at it. I'm just kidding. But what well we 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 did this draft over a, a Twitter message and uh it was kind of cool to hear a bunch of different people from from across the Twitterverse interacting and and talking about why they like certain draft prospects. There was certainly some uh pretty funny moments and uh it was it was really cool. So, um at NBD Nick 5 had the enviable position of having the top pick in the draft for the Bengals, and he selected. <laughs> Thanks. I'm sorry, yeah, I, I couldn't help good. myself. Uh, and he, he selected to nobody's surprise quarterback Joe Burrow of LSU. I believe the exact reaction was "Yup," uh, <laughs> because it should be a slam dunk pick. You you can probably ignore all the speculation about Burrow's arm strength, his hand size. He's an elite quarterback prospect, which, mind you, does not guarantee he will be good in the pros. But you just don't pass on guys with his pedigree. And Cincinnati desperately needs somebody to lead the charge to turn their franchise around. My biggest hope is they can surround him with a decent enough O-line to not get him killed in his first couple of years. 
Yeah, absolutely. There are some definitely some reasons why Joe Burrow would have some hesitations to go to a place like Cincinnati, but that's a lot of teams that are picking in the top five and up there at the top of the draft. So obviously a pick that makes a ton of sense for the Bengals. Number two is Washington and at Reed underscore W26 helped us out with this one. And he selects Edge Chase Young out of Ohio State. And again, it's really hard to argue with this pick. Uh, with Young being one of the best prospects in this class. I will say uh, it's interesting that Washington plans to be to meet with both Tua and Burrow at the Combine, so definitely something to watch there. But at this point, the selection is one of the matches that makes the most sense maybe in the whole draft, and, and you really have to feel like um, Washington would be getting a very, very good football if this is the direction that they go. Any Any thoughts on the rumors that Washington is meeting with the quarterbacks? I mean, I I like it because I think that you get a new coach and Washington has been a place where you just kind of know that they make poor decisions. They're just one of those organizations that has that label. And I think if you have the opportunity to draft a quarterback that you feel like is significantly better than the one that's on your roster, um, even if you have to kind of like eat the capital that it took to draft that player, I think that that's a smart move. I mean, a quarterback, even over a very good edge rusher, is obviously a, a franchise-changing decision. So I'm good with it. I don't know where they'll go with it, but I think it's a smart thing to at least explore for Washington. And I did mention last week that my greatest nightmare in this draft was the potential for Washington to either take Tua or whichever quarterback or trade out of number two and let Chase Young slide to the third pick. And speaking of number three, this is the Detroit Lions, and it's at Benny Buckets 31. He selects cornerback Jeffrey Akuda from Ohio State, uh, second straight Ohio State player, by the way. And Benny Buckets, which I just like to say, uh, had uh, said <laughs> he, he took Akuda because he's not ready to give up on Stafford yet, a lockdown cornerback cornerback to shadow Adams and Thielen for years to come, which makes a lot of sense. We didn't allow any trades in this ideation of the mock draft, so Detroit was forced to sit and pick, and I think Akuda makes a ton of sense if they did that, both for the reasons Benny Buckets mentioned, uh, but also because Matt Patricia values corner very highly. You, you know that because he comes from New England, and they have Stephen Gilmore, and and it's possible that Akuda could be that for this Lions team, that shutdown corner that they need. Yeah, absolutely. The Lions are going to have a great player added to their team, regardless of who it is at the top of the draft. But Akuda would definitely be um, an impact player for them. At number four, uh, the New York Giants, who are assisted here by at Midwest Muscle One, uh, takes offensive tackle Andrew Thomas of Georgia. And uh, Midwest Muscle One notes here that this is a making of a really good offensive core in New York, but they need an O-line to keep Daniel Jones upright. That's just kind of the bottom line. And so I completely agree that the Giants need to prioritize giving Daniel Jones some help up front. And Andrew Thomas is a really special prospect. Uh, there's definitely some talk about how he needs to develop and that he's still a little bit raw, but you can't teach his length. And I think that that's something uh, that we're going to see be a factor and maybe why he ends up being not only a top five pick here in this mock draft, uh, but in the real draft in April. And I think uh, Andrew Thomas will certainly be a top 10 player and a team that, uh, or a player rather, that teams covet as we approach April. 
Yeah, and that's really interesting because I've seen really those top four tackle prospects shuffled in, in a lot of different orders, and Thomas seems to be pretty controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, people either really, really love him, like mm-hmm. top four love him, or they are not so high on him and, and think he's maybe a little bit more raw than than we might. Um, I get the fifth pick. I'm I get to talk about the fifth pick, uh, and that is the Miami Dolphins. And at Screen Bay, uh, took care of that for us. And he selected quarterback Justin Herbert of Oregon. What? At Screen Bay, had to say Tua Tagovailoa's uh, medical situation as of right now is too much of a risk for me. Otherwise, he would be the pick. So things definitely just got interesting. There are a lot of whispers the Dolphins like Herbert more than the draft pundits do. Uh, my personal feeling is they're probably throwing that out there so no one is able to sort of blackmail them into overpaying in the inevitable trade-up for Tua. But there is a segment of Dolphins fans who would like to see them stick and pick at five and get Herbert without any additional draft capital having to be invested I think the dream scenario for them, though, is Tua falling to five, which just happened. But I totally understand Screen Bay's injury risk aversion. Uh, But this is the same franchise that passed on signing Drew Brees because of injury concerns, and we know how well that didn't end up. So if it's me, give me Tua. But, uh, you know, that's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. Uh, I saw today that there's rumors that the Dolphins actually have a really big crush on Jordan Love and how crazy that would be. That's obviously got to be nothing there. But, uh, you know, all these rumors that Jordan Love's going to go higher than everybody thinks and that the Miami Dolphins really love him. It's going to be a wild couple months, but we're going to get there. And then, um, yeah, maybe they won't take Tua. We'll see. But in this scenario, anyway, we're at number six. And it is the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, and we've got Tua Tagovailoa still sitting on the board here. Um, and so uh, I got I would I can't imagine that that goes any other way. And that's exactly what Eric Rose for does here, um, saying that they need a headliner and potential franchise quarterback in L.A. Um, and that that need trumps medical concerns. Um, Eric also, you know, acknowledges that it is a risk because of those medical concerns, but one worth taking. Eric makes a great point here, I think, uh, with Tua still on the board. It's a huge opportunity for the Chargers, and they can't pass it up. It'll energize their fan base. It'll sell tickets, and it will potentially also give them that signal caller for the next decade uh, with that huge arm in Tua. So huge pickup for L.A. here in a really unexpected scenario. Um, great pick for the Chargers. And at seven, at Internet Brando is going to say, out goes Luke Keekley, in comes Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. I was going to say linebacker, but, I mean, it doesn't matter what position you call him. He's just a defender, as he said. Um, with needs at uh, defensive back, linebacker, and offensive line, Simmons gives the Panthers a versatility seen by few players in the draft to roam as a linebacker and cover certain types of receivers. So certainly um, that makes a lot of sense coming from at Internet Brando. Um, for me, it, it also equates, I, I think Simmons doesn't have the same kind of physical presence that Keekly did, but as a crazy versatile player who can make an impact on defense, Simmons is just a super rare prospect. I I love this fit. Um, one other interesting name. You mentioned Jordan Love uh, with Miami. Carolina's a team. They just gave their coach a seven-year contract. 
Yeah. He has a lot of room for a developmental guy. And if there's if there's a team out there that could afford to sit and wait with Jordan Love, this could be an interesting spot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That would be really, really interesting for sure. And Isaiah, but, but don't pass on Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, I was going to say, Isaiah Simmons is kind of that chess piece, and I think that he would be a great fit in Carolina. Love the pick. Um, he will carry that uh, tweener tag throughout the draft process, so we'll see how high he goes. But an incredible athlete and one that will greatly impact your defense for sure. At number eight, Arizona Cardinals. Um, at fourth and four, help us out with this one, and selected offensive tackle Jedrick Wills of Alabama. Uh, Wills is thought by many to be the best tackle in this class. That's quite a few people feel that way. It's interesting he's here at number eight. And so, uh, like we just saw, the Giants go at number four. The Cardinals are adding to their offensive line to help the development of Kyler Murray. This pick is a totally... A totally sensible pick here. I, I think the Cardinals definitely will go offensive line early in this draft. And if they do pass on the receivers, which is kind of the other direction they could go, it will come down to which offensive tackle they prefer. And here is Alabama's Jedrick Wills at number eight overall. I uh, really like that pick for Kyler Murray and for this organization. Yeah, and the, the Cardinals just locked up D.J. Humphreys to cover their, their left tackle position for years to come. And Jedrick Wills has played primarily right tackle at Alabama, so that makes a ton of sense and uh, would really help to protect the giant investment you, you just made in Kyler Murray. Uh, at number nine, uh, our podcast, Pack-A-Day podcast, very own, at Mike Wendland, uh, had the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he selects defensive lineman Derek Brown from Auburn. Mike said Jacksonville needs to rebuild the defense, and it starts up front. Brown can team up nicely with Calais Campbell and make an immediate impact. That that makes a lot of sense. For me, the Jaguars always seem to have one of those top defensive prospects just fall into their laps, like these no-brainer picks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Brown is going to be a run-stuffer slash power pass rush impactor immediately. He, he'd step in for Marcel Darius, who was just released, and make an impact from day one. So, yeah, love this pick. Derek Brown at nine is, is an insane value in this draft. Yeah, absolutely. I could definitely see the Lions selecting him as high as number three and maybe even, you know, uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to come off the board, I would think, much higher than nine. And so, again, that's a great, great value that was gotten there by, by Mike Wendland. Great job by co-host of the Pack-A-Day podcast, Mike Wendland. Um, number 10 overall, we've got Cleveland Browns and Andrew Hand, 18. Uh, he selects offensive tackle. Mackay Becton of Louisville, and he says that the Browns get an absolute monster of a guy to help keep Baker Mayfield upright for the foreseeable future. And when you say that they get an absolute monster of a guy, you are not kidding, Andrew. This guy is an absolute monster. He was listed at 369 on the Louisville website, but everyone kind of thought he cut weight to play this year. Well, he measured in at the combine at 364, which is just insane. And he's got some great movement skills to go with that. Uh, obviously the Browns are an organization that needs some stability in general. And I think Becton could be a piece to help them get going in the right direction and help get Mayfield back on course, uh, how he was playing a couple seasons ago, uh, the kind of guy that they thought that they had there. So great pick in Mackay Becton for the Cleveland Browns. 
Yeah, and I think Cleveland's the cautionary tale of over-investing in skill players and under-investing in your offensive and defensive lines. And uh, so that would definitely go a long ways to, towards helping to correct that. At number 11, the New York Jets were uh, being represented by at Sam underscore CT. And he selects edge Clavon Chasen from LSU. And he said the Jets need pass rush help desperately, and with the top left tack or the top tackle talents being off the board, they're going to capitalize at the top of another position group. And and edge is certainly a huge need for the Jets. Chasen is going to get some sacks in his rookie year based on explosiveness and bend just by themselves. Um, he's going to need some time to develop other aspects of his game. He's certainly not the polished pass rush artist that Chase Young is, but I really like this fit. Makes a ton of sense. Um, next is number 12, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, which is still uh, tough to say, uh, Las Vegas Raiders. But I got some help from Topher K44 at number 12. He selects wide receiver C.D. Lamp from Oklahoma, um, and he points out that uh, they're going to start from scratch after last year's Antonio Brown disaster with Oklahoma's C.D. Lamb, who will provide the deep threat that they desperately need in uh, L.A., and the Raiders certainly need that deep threat. That's absolutely true. Uh, Lamb is so much more than just a deep threat. I really think he's got the ceiling in this draft to be that very complete wide receiver one for Oakland, something they've really needed since Amari Cooper left. So I love this pick here um, for the Raiders, and I think I was all about to call them Oakland again. Yeah, you, um, do you know what CeeDee Lamb ran for his 40? I believe it was a 4-5-1. I think that's what okay. they had him on. And and that that's awesome for him. I, yeah, I, I think absolutely. that's perfect. I have I have Lamb rated incredibly high. Uh, in fact, he's two points above the number two. I, I kind of have Jerry Judy and um, Henry Ruggs neck and neck with each other. Yeah. Um, and I think Ceedee Lamb is going to be a star in this league if he wants to be. And uh, that is an awesome pick. For the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, so at number at number 13, we have the Indianapolis Colts. Another Packaday host, Ad Jacob Wessendorf, is going to go with the aforementioned Jerry Judy, the wide receiver from Alabama. Jacob says you got to continue to build their team around whoever their future signal caller is going to be. And my initial thought on this is Jerry Judy and T.Y. Hilton together. Like, sign me up. <laughs> Judy is a top notch route runner and allowing him to be single covered is going to be almost unfair uh, whether or not the Colts have a quarterback to get either of them the ball is an entirely different question but uh, we'll worry about that one later yeah that would be you know an ideal situation to come into with Jerry Judy and T.Y. Hilton as your quarter or as your wide receivers no matter who that quarterback ends up being in Indianapolis that's a great great uh, duo there uh, number 14 Tampa Bay Bucks uh, at Ricky Stark helping us out with this one wide receiver Henry Ruggs, the third of Alabama. We got a little bit of string of, of wide receivers coming off the board. But uh, with the Bucks getting their QB in free agency, he says. Um, <laughs> Ricky Stark gave us an entire offseason simulation with this pick. <laughs> Good for Ricky. So what we got here is the Bucks get their quarterback in free agency. They add Jack Conklin to the offensive line. And they add Everson Griffin to the defensive line. 
And so he says in this scenario, since they've taken all these these areas of need and taken care of them, Arians is going to look to add to his passing attack and create perhaps the most dynamic wide receiver trio in the league. All right. This is the pick that I have to agree with, or to disagree with, rather. This is really the first one we've had that I just kind of feel like maybe misses the mark a little bit. No offense to Ricky, but I know he's pointed out that he's taken care of a lot of the needs uh, that the Bucks have through the free agency period. But with so many needs on this roster and wide receiver being a position of strength for this team, I would think that the Bucks would go in another direction. Now, that said, this is a mock draft, and I love what Henry Ruggs brings to an offense, and getting that kind of speed is special. Just an incredible, incredible player. So I do think that the Bucks um, will pass on this scenario. Um, but if they did it, would they be getting a heck of a player? Absolutely. So Henry Ruggs to the Bucks, uh, making that offense that's already a little bit scary even scarier. So uh, thanks to Ricky Stark uh, for giving us that one. And with Bruce Aaron's deep passing game, having, you know, the kind of speed threat that Henry Ruggs is going to be in this league would be crazy. Crazy. Uh, so certainly interesting. I don't know that the Buccaneers would be able to stop anybody, but, uh, you know, that that's a that's a fun scenario. I know who's not happy that three wide receivers just went in a row, and that is at Bayer underscore 22 because... They have the Denver Broncos at 15, and with no, uh, they're saying with the top tier wide receivers off the board, the Broncos opt to take the best tackle left to protect their young quarterback, who is Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. Uh, <laughs> and Kyle, you mentioned a few weeks ago some teams view Wirfs as a guard, which is interesting because the Broncos took Dalton Reisner last year. So if the Broncos took Wirfs as a tackle, slam dunk pick for them. They definitely need help there. If not, I guess you have to settle for having the best guard tandem in the league in two years. So uh, it's it's not bad either way. I also agree with Bayer underscore 22. Wide receiver is going to be the preference. Uh, but with the big three off the board, Wirfs makes a, a lot of sense. Yeah, you have to think that the Broncos, you know, there. I don't know that there's been any more um, buzz around a specific team need than the Broncos needing to go wide receiver. And you have to think that they may get a little bit of an itch to go up a little bit in this draft to make sure that they get one of those guys, especially with, uh, you know, um, Ruggs running that 4-2-8. You know, I think they'll get a little antsy to go up before somebody else wants to pull the trigger, but we'll have to wait and see what they do there. But uh, can't go wrong adding to the offensive line either. But at 16, we get the Atlanta Falcons. And at Sanjay uh, Murthy is helping us out with this one. And we've got Edge AJ Epinesa uh, from Iowa coming off the board. And so he says, with no Beasley returning and a desperate need of a pass rush, they will try again in the first round with another Edge player. So I like this pick a lot. And Beasley has been on the way out of Atlanta for a long time. And I hope he can find a situation that will allow him to rekindle his career. But I think that situation is obviously elsewhere, not in Atlanta. What makes this pick so interesting is that it was reported today that the Falcons have sat down with Epinesa at the Combine this week. So some real traction with these two coming together. And it's funny how the pendulum swings because obviously Beasley was a speed rusher and that hasn't really worked for Atlanta. And Epinesa has a lot more power to his game. So I can definitely see the appeal for this organization with Epinesa and I think it makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, and Sanjay is is a, a host of a rival podcast, which will not be named here. But I I really I like this, and I like I like what both of you have pointed out. Beasley um, did not work, and he always seemed to be kind of a strange fit with Dan Quinn. Um, I know at least when he was in Seattle, they they tended to prefer the bigger, more heavy-handed kind of guys, and Appanessa fits that role. Uh, the the Cowboys at 17 are being picked by at Snoop Tang Clan. Snoop Tang Clan. <laughs> Sorry. Can't, I bet Sanjay's name. And then I, sorry, it's guys. fine. We're trying. It's like Snoop Tang Clan <laughs> uh, takes defense alignment Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. And he says the Cowboys feel he's the best player on the board. And he fills a need in the middle of defense line. Agree across across all of that uh there were some reactions in this thread that were essentially like how is kinlaw still on the board at 17 and after his measurements at the combine this week i would agree uh based on his tape he is phenomenal and and so far the measurements have all all matched up to that there are always players who fall of course kinlaw would provide the cowboys a major disruptor on the line and help to free up the crazy athletic linebackers that they have behind him but this would be an awesome pick for dallas Absolutely. It's super weird to see Mike McCarthy and all that uh, Dallas Cowboys gear at the scouting combine. Uh, but he'd get a great player in Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. And and you mentioned Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy would love Javon Kinlaw's pad level. Absolutely. I made I made the drum like signal. But without the noise for some reason, <laughs> that yeah. was the that was the gap in the sound you guys got there. Yeah. My gap in sound was just biting my tongue and not wanting to go on a long rant about how Mike McCarthy is all of a sudden a really innovative coach. Um, but we don't have time for that today. So we're going to move on to number 18, the Miami Dolphins. And we got some help again from Screen Bay here at Screen Bay. He takes offensive tackle Josh Jones from Houston. He says the Dolphins desperately need an, a talented offensive tackle after trading away Laramie Tunsil and Jones is by far the best one available. I will say that this feels early for Josh Jones compared to a lot of big draft mocks that we've seen lately. Now that said, offensive tackle seems to be the position that we see guys climb up the board dramatically with really good athletic testing. The NFL is obviously really starved of good offensive tackle play, and so there's always developmental guys that rocket up boards. And so I think that this pick makes a lot of sense for Miami, and I think it will be interesting to see how Josh Jones' stock is perceived after the combine and see if he can really kind of join that top tier of tackles in this class that we talked about. Yeah, and I like how you use big draft as if it's an entity like big tech. Um, <laughs> that that was very creative. And I should mention that any of the teams that had multiple first round picks, we gave them to the same person so that the, the team was sort of drafting um, in a dynamic way. And speaking of teams with multiple first round picks, we have the Las Vegas Raiders back on the clock at 19. And once again, it's at Topher K44. And uh Topher is taking linebacker Patrick Queen from LSU, and Topher says this LSU star is about to change the Raiders' defense, seeing that the Raiders had three rookie corners on their roster last year and two of them being drafted in the first four rounds. The Raiders are going to allow them to develop and select linebacker Patrick Queen. His quick, fluid, and physical movement will transfer well to the NFL. Um, and that's that's an interesting thought because Mike Mayock went, without proving, er, went with proven college players last year. 
and Queen is super young and super raw. But Kyle highlighted last week, he shined brightest on the biggest stage. So the Raiders have had a massive hole at off-ball linebacker for a very long time. Queen brings that sideline to sideline speed. That's going to be super tantalizing to a lot of teams. Personally, I think Kenneth Murray might be a better fit here, but uh, you can't go wrong with with either one of those players, and it's all about the preference of your defense. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be really interesting to see. You know, Patrick Queen is a Deion Jones kind of clone, and so I think you know a lot of people are going to see that, and you know, in the modern NFL, really want to add that kind of athleticism to their team. So, uh, really like that pick for the Raiders. Jacksonville Jaguars are up here at number 20, and Mike Wendland is here to help us with that again. We've got cornerback Tristan, not Tristan, sorry, Christian Fulton of LSU uh, comes off the board here at number 20. Uh, The Jags need to replace Jalen Ramsey and continue to build that defense is what Mike says. And I would agree. Christian Fulton is a super interesting prospect to me. He's been called overrated by a lot of people, uh, but is also a player that's played really well in college for his whole career. And in some ways, it seems like draft Twitter has just kind of gotten bored with Fulton, even though he's a really good player. And uh, the match with Jacksonville makes a ton of sense with the need there. So I think it's a good pick by Mike. Yeah, at 21, we have the Eagles, and that's at NBD Nick 05. And he's going to go with cornerback C.J. Henderson of Florida because the Eagles' secondary was hot cheeks last season. <laughs> and they love to play man coverage. Uh, Philly passes on a wide receiver in favor of the best man cover corner in the draft, who is not Jeff Akuda. And this is the part of the draft where I have to admit, I do not like C.J. Henderson very much, but... For teams that like man coverage, he's definitely going to be an attractive option. Corner is certainly a huge need for Philly. I do also wonder if they would look at wide receiver. Uh, you have Elshon Jeffrey and Sean Jackson getting old, and then there's the disaster that they had at injuries at wide receiver last year where they were starting like their their uh, water boy uh, by week nine. <laughs> so it, that that's going to be an interesting one. Um, I would not be excited with C.J. Henderson, but um, I hope he goes to the Eagles. Yeah, I'm okay with him going to the Eagles. I think 21 to Philadelphia is kind of where you start the run of like where guys like Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager could go and think those kinds of things. So anytime a team in front of the Packers wants to take a cornerback from Florida, I'm okay with that. Uh, number 22, we have the Buffalo Bills at Reed underscore W26 selects wide receiver LaVisca Chenault of Colorado. Um, and he says having a good array of offensive weapons is vital to a young quarterback's development and one that can create yardage after the catch is especially helpful. Chenault will start day one with Josh Allen and Bills fans will have a dynamic duo to cheer on for the next several years. I personally am not as high on Chenault as many are. I know a lot of people really, really love Chenault. His route running, his injury, and his injury history really scare me. Uh, But his playmaking ability is really, really special, and it's really undeniable. And this pick absolutely nails what the Bills need. They need weapons for Josh Allen. And so to that end, I think you've got to really be excited about this pick if you are a Bills fan or if you're Josh Allen or if you're the Bills coaching staff. So uh, this one makes a lot of sense here for the Bills getting Chenault. Yeah, and LaVisca Schnold's best two routes are jet sweeps and quick screens. That, that's a joke, Kyle. 
I mean, they they are. That's what you're in in college. And Josh Allen might have the accuracy to hit him on quick screens and jet sweeps. He's going to throw the ball really hard to him, though. (laughs) (laughs) So that that was all very passive aggressive. That would be dynamic, though, like like jet sweeps and and read options with Chenault and Allen. That's tough to bring down. But I'm just making jokes. Please don't tell Joe Marino I said that. at 23, the New England Patriots, uh, being drafted by at Benny Buckets, are going to go with quarterback Jordan Love from Utah State. Ooh, boy! Uh, if if Tom Brady returns to the Pats, I think this is the ideal developmental prospect behind him. And then again, if Tom Brady returns, you may not want to, or you may want to go all in and just get him a weapon here. Jordan Love cannot play in the 2020 season. I repeat, if NFL teams want to be successful. He should not play in 2020. Give him a full year to fix his mechanical issues and speed up his processing and then unleash him on the league in 21. The more I think about it, the more I like this scenario could happen. Yeah, the Patriots are going to be one of the most exciting things to watch this offseason just to see how things go, who's playing quarterback there, and what the future looks like for the team. But again, yeah, Jordan Love, I don't think he could pick a better place to go in that kind of scenario either. So uh, lots to watch there with the Patriots. But 24 is the New Orleans Saints. They're on the clock with at Midwest Muscle 1. And they have cornerback Trayvon Diggs from Alabama coming off the board here. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore could use some help on the opposite side is the justification for the pick and all the buzz really is that new orleans needs to give some help to the offense and give drew Brees another weapon opposite of michael thomas and i see the need for that for sure but uh, with drew Brees back the saints could go to a place where they just know that they need to put all their resources into the defense and hope to get back to the super bowl in a similar way that the broncos did with an aging hall of fame quarterback in peyton manning and a very talented defense so it sounds like the scouts are all over the board on trayvon Diggs, but i can't argue with the philosophy of trying to beef up that defense if you believe in his talent yeah and at number 25 we got the minnesota vikings and they were drafted by uh somebody named at andrew mertig and at packer underscore pundit oh wait that's us so we <laughs> we took the vikings so nobody had to feel the pressure to draft for them and the bears don't have a first round pick so that one was easy and the minnesota vikings are going to select wide receiver jd spielman from nebraska because of his great lineage and his great character <laughs> I'm just kidding. I made the exact same joke on the thread, but uh, J.D. Spielman, of course, is the son of the Vikings GM, but um, we're going to go with safety Xavier McKinney from Alabama because they desperately need somebody opposite of Harrison Smith, and Kyle and I made this pick together, even though there were some disagreements. Kyle thought McKinney or T. Higgins. I was leaning more towards Kenneth Murray, and at the end of the day, I gave in because Rick Spielman has a history of taking defensive backs in the first round. Anthony Harris is probably likely to leave in free agency, and they they definitely need somebody to um, help keep that secondary top-notch. Yeah, absolutely. It was a little bit painful to be the GM for the Minnesota Vikings, and we did our best to make a fair selection and one that we felt could improve their roster. So we dug deep down inside of us and found that part of us that was dying a little bit. But um, moving on to number 26 overall, the Miami Dolphins at Screen Bay select Edge, Yatir Grossmatos. And I have 
no idea how to say that, um, from Penn State. Miami only tallied 23 sacks on defense in 2019, and Gross Matos will provide some necessary pass rushing juice to boost that total is the justification there. Um, Miami uses their third pick in this round on an edge rusher, and I will admit that Matos is a prospect that I have not gotten to yet, but I know that some scouts really love him. Others would never have him in round one. Uh, But what's more even interesting to me is we kind of sit back and look at Miami's draft is that we see that they took their quarterback of the future in Justin Herbert, not Tua. Uh, They leave with an offensive tackle in Josh Jones and now edge rusher Gross Matos. And I'm not sure how many Dolphins fans we have as listeners on the Back of Day podcast, but I'm willing to bet that there would be a lot of Dolphins fans that would be scratching their heads a little bit if they left the draft with Herbert, Jones, and Matos I think that they they would wonder what happened because you have all these picks and they they may very well work out in the long run. I just think when you have that much draft capital and you leave the first round with QB three, offensive tackle five and edge three, the fan base is going to have some questions about how that draft capital was used. And this is not at all to rag on at Screen Bay, because when you look at it, it's really interesting the way that the board fell. It's just kind of like outside of selecting Justin Herbert. It's just kind of how things came together and where the needs were. So really interesting to see what Miami actually ends up doing and making some decisions with what kind of prospects they take with those selections in this draft. And if we had let Screen Bay make trades in this scenario, I know that this haul would have looked very different. But when you when you look at a team that's given up Laramie Tunsil and Minka Fitzpatrick in within the last nine to 12 months um, and they come away with this draft hall there. I think there'd be a lot of questions in Dolphins fandom, but that's the way the draft falls. Sometimes um, at 27, we have the Seattle Seahawks being drafted by at Eric Rose four, and they're going to go with Lloyd Cushenberry, the, the third, the interior offensive lineman from LSU. And uh, Eric has to say the sight of Kenny Clark, DeForest Buckner, and Aaron Donald making Russell Wilson even shorter finally spurs John Schneider <laughs> into making a pick to protect him. And Pete Carroll is incensed that he didn't take a running back. And I, I will never understand John Schneider's unwillingness to just go out and protect Russell Wilson. Their offensive line has been a major problem since really after that second straight Super Bowl appearance they made, and they've done very little to address it. Cushenberry is, all, by all accounts, a fantastic interior offensive lineman and would be a really smart pick here. Um, Eric Rose is correct, though. I think J.K. Dobbins would be a lot of fun in Seattle. I just don't know that there's anybody to block for him. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they do need to address that offensive line, so that this is a great pick in that sense. But, man, J.K. Dobbins uh, would get a... Seattle running back back on the fantasy radar for sure. That'd be a fun pick as well. But uh, number 28, the Baltimore Ravens and at Internet Brando select wide receiver T. Higgins of Clemson. The Ravens have a generous debate between wide receiver T. Higgins and linebacker Kenneth Murray in the scenario, according to Internet Brando, but choose to help Lamar with T. Higgins as a complimentary piece to Hollywood Brown. And I love the way that Internet Brando explains his thoughts on this because Hollywood is a special player, but no doubt Higgins wins in completely different ways than Hollywood. Hollywood is a guy who can make a quarterback look awesome with crazy deep speed, and Higgins is a guy who makes your QB look awesome awesome with a huge catch radius and so I love this combo for Lamar Jackson a lot and I think he'd be really excited to have this pair yeah and with the three tight ends they have 
and T. Higgins and the quarterback run option. How do you ever stop the Ravens in the red zone? Woof. Uh, the Tennessee Titans at 29 are drafted by at fourth and four again, and they're going to go with cornerback Noah Igbenoni from Auburn. I got it right. Yes. Nice. Uh, <laughs> or the fourth <laughs> says after signing Tom Brady in free agency, they address their biggest remaining need. Okay. We're not projecting free agents, but <laughs> we'll, we'll let fourth and four get a little creative here. The the Titans need someone opposite Adoree Jackson and Igmanoni is likely the next best cornerback. However, this is where I'd really like to see J.K. Dobbins, because if they can't get something long-term done with Derrick Henry, it provides them with insurance and someone to still give defensive headaches when Henry has to take a playoff. So, uh, yeah, definitely a corner's big need. Can't so, there. we are here. We've arrived at pick number 30. The Green Bay Packers are on the clock, and at Andrew Hand 18 made this oh-so-important selection and selects out of Oklahoma – linebacker Kenneth Murray and he says the fans get a linebacker they can respect and will have a huge athletic impact on the defense Andrew thinks that with it being such a great uh sorry with with it being such a deep receiver class uh the pack can double up in rounds two and three and still come away with a great improvement at receiver um and then Andrew Hand also humbly acknowledged that Jalen Rager was his second choice here as well. And so I guess if I have to give my thoughts, I really like Kenneth Murray and I think he might be the best fit for what the Packers need and what the Packers and Mike Pettin asked their linebackers to do. You can make an argument that Patrick Queen is a little bit more exciting because of his athleticism, but Queen is a lightning player who kind of needs to be paired with kind of that more like thunder player. And as much as Green Bay prefers to only have one linebacker on the field at times, I think Murray is better suited for that role with the Packers. Uh, Murray would give the Packers an increase in speed, athleticism, and lateral movement is He's really a safe pick, I would say, to be an above-average starter in the league for a long time. So I love the pick. I probably would have picked uh, Jalen Rager here, but that's just because I have an unhealthy obsession with the TCU wide receiver. Uh, But I think Kenneth Murray makes all kinds of sense for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and I really love his tackling ability combined with that athleticism that you mentioned. That that's really cool. At thirty-one, we'll we'll move through this quickly. We got the San Francisco 49ers and at Sam underscore CT is going to take cornerback Jeff Gladney from TCU because the team needs some secondary help. And Richard Sherman isn't getting any younger, and that's going to be interesting to see because there's been a big run on cornerbacks at the end of the first round in this mock and the 49ers don't have many needs, but cornerback is certainly one of them. So we'll see which one they prefer. Number 32, the champion Kansas city chiefs and Jacob Westendorf take Antoine Winfield jr. Of Minnesota. Um, He points out that this is a smart, versatile player that Steve Spagnuolo will love on the back end. He would allow Matthews still move around and form a young, talented tandem with last year's draft pick, Juan Thornhill. And when I read that the Chiefs were adding another safety, I was kind of shocked. But with the way that the NFL is going, you can't have too much talent in the secondary. And as Jacob pointed out, having that combo of Thornhill, the Honey Badger, and now Winfield for the next several 
Steelers would be a really tough group to pass on. And we know that teams who play the Chiefs are going to be passing as they try to come back from Mahomes lighting up the scoreboard. So uh, a lot of interception opportunities, too, for this deep group of safeties as well. So I really like it. Antoine Winfield to the Chiefs to end round one from our own Jacob Westendorf. Yeah, and so that was another potential landing spot for J.K. Dobbins or DeAndre Swift and doesn't go there. So no running backs in round one, no tight ends. And get this, Kyle, no Justin Jefferson. What? What? That's crazy. so, So what are the Packers doing Thursday night slash Friday morning to call up and get pick 33 so they can take Justin Jefferson? Yeah, what a haul. Yeah, so that that was great. Um, we didn't know Justin Jefferson ran in the four fours when we did this mock draft, obviously. But um, we hope you enjoyed our review. Clearly, we should have cut this episode in half because it went a really long time. But um, <laughs> I had so much fun. A colossal thank you to the folks who participated. If this was an interesting activity to you, we're probably going to do another one in um, likely another month or so. So we'll invite back all the people who drafted today. We're certainly going to look for to add a few more to cover every team in the league. Heck, maybe we'll get crazy and we'll go into the second or third round. And maybe we'll even allow some trades. We'll see what happens. What? Anything could happen. But that is all the time for today. Uh, this has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Go out and follow us if, if you want to participate in something like this in the future. Because uh, we'll send it out via Twitter. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. We'll be back next week to continue our conversation about the offseason and provide our thoughts on the scouting combine. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Go, go, go!